Welcome to Watershed's July podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove and I'm the Head of Cultural Programme here at Watershed. A couple of weeks back I was asked to be interviewed as part of the Clifton Diocese podcast. I was interviewed by Father Robert King and we started off talking about what makes a good film. That really is such a, a simple yet very, very difficult question to answer. I mean, for me, uh, what makes a, a film good is that it's something which engages with the audience in a dialogue and that engages the audience in an exploration of ideas. I mean, people don't really associate cinema with that because cinema is viewed as entertainment on the whole. You know, what you do if you're going to see a film is you're going to relax and you're going to be entertained. And often it's the classics sort of Friday night, weekend sort of activity. And if you look at cinema admissions across the industry, then the peak figures are Friday and Saturday night. But the cinema that I'm interested in, of which there is a lot, and that's kind of what we specialise at Watershed, are those films which are really trying to explore some kind of idea and communicate that with the audience, so precisely to sort of get them into a dialogue. And, I mean, if I could illustrate that with an example, I was up at the Edinburgh Film Festival um, just last week, and I went to see the recording of the Simon Mayo and Mark Kermode, you know, the film critic Mark Kermode radio show. On that programme, they had Duncan Jones, who's just made this new film, science fiction film called Moon. Also, at the same time, the new film Transformers had opened in the multiplexes. And Mark Kermode said a really interesting thing, which was that Transformers, for him, really represented everything that was completely banal about contemporary cinema in that Hollywood, and it is Hollywood, has reached a kind of, reached a dead end. And what it's trying to do is give you thrills and spills, but no substance. He, he describes it, I've not seen it, so I have to just say that. <laughs> just now. But he describes it as an absolutely terrible film. And that people, by going to pay good money to see it, is just perpetuating the fact that people... Whereas Moon was actually going back to that kind of cinema of 2001 A Space Odyssey, Silent Runnings, which is a film which, yes, it's it's thrilling and entertaining, but it's also got layers of questions about, you know, what it means to be human, what it means to be living in a technological age, what it means to be alone. So all of these things are, are through there. So it's actually engaging you in, you know, some quite interesting ideas. That, for me, is what I like to see and what I think makes a really good film. Obviously, as head of programme at the Watershed, you've got a tremendous responsibility in putting together different seasons. I suppose it could be seen as as maybe a bit of arrogance in sort of deciding what's the right film for people to watch or is it a gift, you know, that you're given. But when it comes to putting together a season or, or, or films in sequence, what kind of things do you look at? Going back to that question of the ideas, is that in any kind of season I want to amplify on some of the ideas that are being presented. If you look at some of the work that we've done just recently, we have been working with St George's in Bristol who have been doing a season of music on migrations, so music from migratory peoples. And they talked to us about the idea of putting on some related film work. And of course, there's a lot of films and filmmakers as well who are from 
either migratory peoples or who have moved from country to country, either in exile or whatever, but taking their culture with them. So what we wanted to do was parallel, but to amplify on both venues, work, one in music and one in film. So what I'd like to think I'm presenting to the audience is something which is amplifying the ideas. It's not my choice. People often think, oh, Mark, you must sit there and choose your favourite films, you know. If I chose my favourite films, Watershed would close down because there's only so much Jean-Luc Godard that anybody, anybody wants to see. I'm always thinking about the audience. Well, both thinking about the audience, but also thinking about how can you show films, which, as I say, amplify on, expand on, provide more insight into some of the questions that are being raised. It doesn't have to come from a film. In that case, it's come from music, actually. But again, films get lots of connections with different art forms in lots of different parts of society. I guess when we're challenged to think about different ideas, we open ourselves to education. And I think it's fair to say that the best education is one that involves a dialogue. Mm-hmm. And you rightly say that, that film engages a viewer to enter into a dialogue. How do you go about sort of celebrating that didactic nature of film? Well, again, just making the parallel with a commercial cinema, you know, what people's on the whole majority experience of cinema going is, is a multiplex. And if you think about a multiplex and you think about a commercial cinema, more often than not, what they're about is, is a financial transaction. You go through the doors, you pay for your ticket, you buy some sweets, you buy some popcorn, you go and see the film and then you leave. And that is fine. That's part of, you know, I just take my kids to see Coraline 3D and it's great sitting there with the 3D glasses sharing the popcorn and, you know, having a good entertaining time. But but is it where, I mean, that's really the beginning and end of it. What we like to do at Watershed is to sort of open up that possibility of engaging in a deeper way. So, yes, we still, people still buy a ticket, but when they come through the door, hopefully in the way in which we sort of present Watershed, there's more information, for example. So we publish a lot of reviews, a lot of articles. We do research into background. So we put those in the building for people to read. We give out programme notes so that people can find out more. You know, I do a podcast from Watershed, again, giving more insight into it. We often have visiting speakers. I mean, like yourself did that panel with us on spirituality in, in cinema in a way that then people can come and see the film, see it in that context, but also begin to hear from other practitioners or interested parties in some of the aspects so they can come in and actually meet a real person to have a discussion. We also have more informal groups like um, the Cinephiles. It's kind of like a book club for films, if you imagine that. So they pick films from the programme, also other cinemas, get together to begin to talk about you know, what, how they responded, what the film might mean. And then with young people, we do a lot of work around getting them involved as well and, and also in filmmaking. So yes, discussing and watching the films and writing film criticism, which again we publish, but also getting into the making of films whilst there's the thinking side of it and the sort of, uh, that's a film theory-ish kind of idea, there's also the practical skills side. Of course, you then layer in the digital online and internet and you've got a whole range of possibilities. Mentioning the internet, we live in an age where so much information and, and media is instantly accessible and people at home now have plasma TVs and so forth and groups mm-hmm. have access to cheap data projectors. What's the advantage you're going to see a film at the cinema? apart from uh, legal reasons. <laughs> yeah, yes, no, no, one mustn't copy in fringe copyright. <laughs> um, I have been hearing of the death of cinema for the past 10 years, ever since sort of digital and the online began to kind of happen. 
the music industry is obviously going through a huge transformation and I think the cinema will and I think probably will affect the commercial end of the market. What I think is unique about cinema is the communal activity, that there is something fundamentally human about the desire to come together to share an experience. You know, we're recording this the weekend of Glastonbury Music Festival and, I mean, the fact that music's available online, downloads, on your MP3 players, everything, it doesn't stop nearly 200,000 people getting together in a field in Glastonbury to share their music, live music. And I think cinema operates in the same way and that people want to come together and that there is something that's very profound in the human characteristic about, you could probably go back to Plato on this one, but, you know, that wants to sit and share stories. And I think cinema as a shared event is absolutely central to that. Probably the same with theatre. Yes, people have got more technology the internet actually allows, quite interestingly, people to get more information. I mean, I get approached by people saying, oh, I've heard about this great director. Could you show his films or her films? So actually people are finding out more but wanting to go back to see them on the cinema. And there is something unique about scale of the screen, sitting in an audience, in a darkened room, and sharing that. And I guess from an aesthetic point of view, that's how the films were made to be seen, not, not at home. Absolutely. I mean, I th- even though with the best sort of plasma screens, um, I mean, having total darkness in the house doesn't actually work. You've still got to have ambient light, you know, unless you go all out to replicate the cinema. And some people have done it <laughs> in, in the house. They have the curtains moving open and closed and the lights dimming down and stuff. You're not quite going to get it. And often you have friends around. What's quite interesting with the cinema is it's people you don't know. You're actually sitting in a room with people you don't know. And there's actually something really quite interesting about that as a human activity. We're just showing the Ken Loach film, Looking for Eric, at the moment. And people are coming out of that film, you know, they're laughing during it. They're sharing this sort of emotion, coming out with big smiles on their faces, which is great. You know, I think it's a really interesting um, shared experience. Yeah, and I guess there's something almost spiritual about that experience, you know. They say if you go to church, then you can't really select who you sit with or mm. who you go to communion with. It's sort of quite random and, mm. I suppose, universal or, or, or Catholic in that sense. Mm. Mm. And I suppose that's one of the wonderful things about cinema. You, you go, mm. you buy into something you can't control. Mm. And, I mean, for me, I've often said that cinemas are like the kind of churches of the modern age, in a way, I mean, I don't know how you can stretch that, stretch that analogy, but I'm very interested in it as an analogy, and particularly being a kind of lapsed Catholic as well, and somebody who's tried the church early on and didn't, for whatever reasons, you know, found myself that it wasn't delivering to me an experience that, you know, I felt was working, that actually I found myself still with a whole bunch of, you know, strangers, all sitting down, focused on sharing an experience. You've then got to think about, well, what's coming off the screen but that's what I find really interesting and it is the Catholicness of it it's the spread across the possibilities so you know we've got Looking for Eric we've got this really you know quite uplifting comedy with lots of you know engagements with what it means to you know have a mental breakdown what it means to be unemployed told in a narrative which is sort of engaging people we've then got you know Lars von Trier's what's going to be a very controversial film Antichrist coming up so we've gone from Ken Loach being up on screen telling us what his view of the world is to Lars von Trier coming now on screen to tell us what his view you know what I'm interested in is how to engage the audience in that sort of dialogue about what this means 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's important to throw ideas out there. And I, I know, particularly say, you mentioned with, with church, many people have the experience of going, hearing ideas, but not being able to explore them with, mm. with others. And I guess the church has sort of made an effort to, to, to do that. Of course, some people missed out on that. And I guess that, that's also reflected in cinema, you know, the, the, the watershed. You're trying to show, well, you are showing quality films, but challenging people to go much more mm. beyond just, just observing or, or, or being entertained, but to really ask themselves what that narrative, what that story means, and how it resonates in their own lives. And I guess for that to be effective, it, yeah, it's got to be shared, hasn't it? It's not mm. a private experience, mm. but a public one. Yeah, without a doubt. And really what I feel a venue like Watershed has got to do is embrace that dialogue and debate, which can be controversial. And I mean, the Lars von Trier film will be controversial, but I feel, having seen it in, at the Cannes Film Festival, where again it was met with very mixed uh, sort of reviews, and he is being provocative, but I don't think he's being provocative for the sake of being provocative. I think he is trying to explore, well, something about grief, something about humankind and its relationship with nature. So what he presents is nature as, I think we tend to, you know, have watched Spring Watch. I know that we get the kind of, you know, you get death, but ultimately what you want from nature is sort of renewal and somehow it's a kind of, um, not benign force, but, you know, calming force or whatever. But actually what he presents in this is that nature's fundamentally evil. And I think it's an interesting thesis that he's trying to present. Unfortunately, at one point, an adolescent punk well, the adolescent punk in Lars von Trier comes out, you know what I mean? And causes all, and I just think, now, is he just doing that because he's been an adolescent punk? Or is he doing it because he's trying to, you know, and in a way that's what the issue that the artist sort of throws up, as it were. So I do feel that the quality of the film is meaningful, but what Watershed's got to be is sort of robust enough to engage the audience in that. I think I've drifted from the point. Slightly. No, that's fine. <laughs> Another interesting thing with that film is that it's eluded the censor's uh, mouse on, on Final Cut Pro. You know, it's, it's not being, being cut, it's being shown as it is. Mm. What do you feel about film censorship? Um, my initial response would be not to agree with censorship, but I do see that there are problems in the wealth of images that are available and accessible to people. But I can't get my head around there being gatekeepers, you know, that are somehow above or beyond people that make the decisions. I find that really problematic. At the same time, I do think that there are really problematic images that, you know, I mean, how images are being dealt with. And actually, this came up in a um, recent discussion on the Moral Maze, actually, on Radio 4. The Moral Maze was taken as its starting point that the fact that Antichrist has been passed uncut and what precisely that question about what it means. One of the things that made me think about is the Russian director, Alexander Sakurov, um, really made a quite an extraordinary broadside at Quentin Tarantino about the sort of responsibility of showing violence on screen. And of course, what it's easy to deride Sakurov of is always a sort of conservative reactionary you know, but actually I think he was saying something quite um, profound, that it's all too easy to show violence. And of course, Tarantino's made his stock and trade around that sort of bullishness around the violence. And I think what Sakurov was saying was really a kind of, look, hang on a minute, the artist needs to take responsibility. You know, if, you show, if you're showing a death on screen, you're actually showing a death. There has to be a sort of respect 
And for some reason, the Sakurov broadside was never really taken up and addressed. So when you say there shouldn't be censorship, it can actually be all too easy to say, you know, I can do anything and we're all adults and everything's fine. So it is a moral maze. <laughs> Absolutely. It's an interesting point, really, with the responsibility there, because I yeah. guess ultimately a filmmaker is a communicator mm. who has a message or a series of messages that he or she wishes to mm. share with others. And if we're effective communicators or if filmmakers are effective communicators, they sort of they've got to be pretty certain and sure about what their message is and recognise the responsibility that goes with them, mm. you know, to challenge ideas and notions, to, to look at mm. humanity, but I suppose at the same time respecting that we are humans, that we do yeah. have a certain value. Yeah, I mean as I say, I think this is what Sakurov was um driving at. The unfortunate thing in the scheme of things is that hundreds of millions of people watch Tarantino films and tens of thousands of people watch Alexander Sakurov films. You know, so that weight, as it were, is really difficult to address, really. If it had been, you know, Harvey Weinstein, for example, that had said what Sakurov said, it would get much more publicity, it would get much more recognition and, and maybe sort of addressed, you know. If you see in The Antichrist, there is a scene in it that I find deeply disconcerting and troublesome. I want to know why Lars von Trier put that in. I mean, whether it's a provocation in the sake of just being provocative or whether it's adding to the overall thesis of the film. And when I saw it in Cannes, I, and the image came on, I thought, I just didn't want that. You know, I, just, I just didn't want to see that. But other people say, well, well, what's your problem with that? You know, I can, I'm only speaking for myself. So what, how, and then if I said, well, I'm not going to show that film because I, how dare I say that other people aren't allowed to see it, you know? So what we've got to do is have the debate. You know, what we've got to do is get it out there, look at it. Because I think that's my ultimate big problem with censorship is that if you censor, you repress. And if you repress, you're just going to get trouble further, further down the line. Yeah. <laughs> creates more interest. <laughs> well, exactly. Up. I mean, you just, you know, and of course, that's then you then go back to the digital age. People will be able to access it anyway. You know, I mean, you just can't do it. So the only way you can really address it is through the openness of the dialogue and the debate. Absolutely, and the heart of good dialogue is, is that tension between what someone else is saying and my reaction to Yes, it. absolutely, yeah. And it's wonderful that the watershed is big enough to embrace that creative tension and to facilitate it. You've spoken very generously and, and professionally about your role as uh, head of programme at the watershed and the way in which you put other people's tastes ahead of your own. But I wonder if in these last few minutes you could just share a bit of your own personal taste when it comes to cinema. Right, oh, that's that's another um, million-dollar question because I've got so many well, you know, films that really I find myself going back to. I mean, one of the ones that we just screened recently is <laughs> Jean-Luc Godard's Pierre Le Fou. It was one of his last sort of of that Nouvelle Vague sort of films before he kind of went crazy with radical politics. But I think Pierre Le Fou is just an absolutely wonderful film about the sort of human spirit, actually, you know, in the performances of... Anna Karenina, John Paul Belmondo, and I was just struck again about the kind of free formness of it. I just want people to go and see it, you know, you just kind of want people to sort of look, just go and see this. I've just recently bought his um, East Oardu Cinema on DVD, and I think he's really a, a great artist that's trying to explore what this sort of, this moving image thing's all about. 
But then I can also swing to, I mean, I was talking to somebody up at the Edinburgh Film Festival just about that one of my favourite films is the original Nutty Professor, you know, with Jerry Lewis, where he sort of takes a swipe at his old sparring partner, Dean Martin, in it. And it's a kind of crackball remake of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know, what's quite interesting in terms of previous conversations is if you actually look at The Nutty Professor, and it was directed by a European emigre, uh, Frank Tashlin, is actually there's a kind of an anarchic sensibility going on in it. And it's using Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which is a really interesting thing about personality and stuff. So it's a great, popular... I mean, it's got loads of laughs, really great entertaining. But actually, if you scratch away, there's a really interesting sort of thesis that the film's trying to present. And then, you know, films like The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, John Ford. I mean, I've, I love kind of going back to um, John Ford films. Contemporary-wise, I've been really getting into 3D films. We went to see Bolt and Coraline. And so just having that whole thing with the kids watching huge big cinema screen. But actually what's happening with 3D is really interesting. And I mean, I would love um, 3D to get into the hands of people like actually Lars von Trier, Alexander Sakurov, and see what they how they begin to kind of shape the modern cinematic image. Absolutely, you know, you mentioned quite a variety of different eras, I suppose, and ages in, in, in cinema. I've shown my age. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're showing your breadth of your, your, your love for film. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but where do you see the future of film uh, going from here? I think cinema will always exist in some shape or form. I mean, because so like theatre, like literature, etc. I mean, people want to share stories. Because what you're doing by doing that is, is investigating the world and trying to make sense, really. I mean, that's what you're trying to do with through any kind of art, I think, is trying to make sense. So I think cinema, even though it's only just over 100 years old, whereas theatre's got much longer tradition, it has actually tapped into that in a very intense way. So I've, I think cinema and the cinema-going experience because of the communal thing, I think will we'll always um, be with us. What we always need is really great storytellers to tell that in cinematic ways. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to see some of the films that were mentioned in the interview, Lars von Trier's Antichrist opens on Friday the 24th of July and Duncan Jones's film Moon opens on Friday the 31st of July. That's all for this month. <laughs>